You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show, and my guest today is Liz Germain. Liz is a YouTube marketing expert. She came highly recommended to me as someone who gets real results for her clients. And I'm so glad that she did because there was so much wisdom that she shared on this call. She didn't hold back at all. And I find that to be very refreshing because a lot of times experts will tell you certain things here and there, and then you're kind of left twiddling your thumbs and scratching your head trying to figure out what to do next. Um, Not so on this call. There's a lot of really great information in here. In fact, I took a lot of the information and tips and tricks that I learned on this call and shared it with some of my other uh, YouTube marketing experts, and they weren't even aware of some of the stuff that she shared. So Uh, Again, there's a lot of really great information. Be sure to take notes. If you have a business, you're looking to grow your channel uh, or get more exposure, more eyeballs, more traffic to your website, this is an absolute must-listen call. So let's get into it. Here I am with Liz Germain. All right, I'm here with Liz Germain. Liz, welcome to the call. Thank you for having me. Yes, I uh, am very excited to get into what you have to share. You are a YouTube expert. Is that, how do you, how do you describe yourself when people say, what do you do? YouTube marketing expert. Yeah. YouTube marketing expert. Okay. Um, give us a brief background of how long you've been doing this and maybe just a, a couple examples of success stories that you've had so we can get a feel for what you do and, and the types of results you get. Yeah, for sure. So I started in digital marketing eight years ago. My first company was a health and fitness company for women. We sold digital products and we had a membership site. And back in the day, we, it originally started kind of by accident. I was a fitness instructor and personal trainer. And we, my sister and I partnered up and created a WordPress blog because we kept getting the same questions over and over. Like, what should I eat? What workouts did we do? All that kind of stuff. And so we put it on a WordPress blog and then At the time, Instagram was just getting started, and so we created all the accounts. We had a Facebook fan page. We created an Instagram account. We created a Pinterest board. We we set up a YouTube channel. And, um, you know, we didn't really know what was going to happen. We just wanted to make sure that we were covering all the bases. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And over the next couple years, um, we realized that there was a huge market opportunity because not only did we end up serving the people in Los Angeles, which is where we were living at the time, Uh, We started getting women from South America, from Europe, from Australia, even from the parts of the Middle East, asking for more information, asking for more workouts, asking for more healthy recipes. And so we decided to launch our first group program. We were hoping to get 10 women in it. And we ended up enrolling over 350 women around the world. Yeah. So kind of blew up (laughs) we were not expecting that but it was super cool because now all of a sudden we could help not just the people in our local community but people all over the world right so how how exciting was that when you launched and you thought you're gonna get you know a handful and you got hundreds yeah that was it was there have been a couple of really peak moments over the course of the last eight years and that was definitely a highlight because for in that in that experience too it was the first time we'd ever charged for something online and the way I describe it to people who are, you know, maybe just getting started, once you figure out that you can make money online, it's like, it's like being in a desert and finding a secret faucet mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point. You're like, especially because at the time, you know, we were working like four or five different jobs as trainers just to make ends meet in, in LA. And so realizing like, wow, we could actually serve a way larger segment of the population of women around the world while also making way more than we had ever made in our lives. Um, it was super cool. And so we were able to leave our jobs in, in that first year. And That's over the awesome. next few years, you know, we were doing all the things. It was like Instagram every day, Facebook, you know, we had Facebook groups going um, and had a Pinterest board. We were blogging all the time, doing our email updates, all the things. It was a lot of work. And then a couple of years ago, um, my sister got married and she decided to start a new business with her husband. And so in that transition, essentially um, losing half the leadership team from that first company, I really had to do a company audit and figure out where are we getting the highest ROI from all of our marketing efforts. And what I found was really shocking to me um, because even though we were spending so much time literally every single day on Facebook and Instagram, our highest ROI, not just for the year that she left, but the entire entirety of the company was from YouTube and Pinterest. And we had like relatively 
small amounts of effort into those platforms because they were a little bit more challenging, not so much Pinterest, but especially YouTube doing video production and getting everything uploaded. Like it's a lot of work, right? Right. So we kind of ignored it. But then when I actually looked at all of the data and it was like, whoa, we're getting way more sales from this. It's evergreen. It's taking the least amount of effort. Um, I realized like, okay, why is that? Why are YouTube and Pinterest outperforming everything? Because even at this time, we had Facebook ad campaigns running and all of that. And it was just a lot of work, mm -hmm. right? And what I discovered is that they're search engines. So it makes right. sense. Like we did the work once and it continued to pay off. And so at that point, pivoted the whole company. We switched it into more of an affiliate network for other fitness influencers because I didn't want to do the company on my own. I mean, like who does, you know, I don't know about you, but <laughs> after five yeah. years of sitting behind a computer, when my passion was being in front of, I was still teaching at the time, like fitness classes and stuff. But at the time, um, I just realized when she left, I didn't want to, I was like, I had grown so much over those last five years that things had really shifted. And so we completely changed the business model, um, changed it into an affiliate network where now it's like a, a content aggregation platform, essentially where big health and fitness influencers that have digital products can have their stuff featured. And that allowed me to exit the company and start teaching other people how to do that. So that YouTube channel is currently at 120,000 subscribers. It has, I believe it's almost 11 million views all organically. Um, and this is just to be clear. So this channel is specifically teaching other people how to use YouTube or nope. is this? So that was the first, yeah, that was my first business. It's the health and fitness channel for women. And so uh, can you explain to me the model again, then with the aggregate, um, support that you were getting? Yeah. So when she left, um, you know, I just realized I didn't want to, cause our model was we would do two group challenges a year as a, a like a free challenge for, to get people in the door, um, mm -hmm. to purchase the yearly membership. And when she left, was that your only service at the time? The only product, the yearly membership? Uh, we had the membership and then we had two meal plans available. Okay. For purchase, and then we did a lot in brand deals and sponsorships. Okay. Um, and we also had a lot of the AdSense revenue coming in from YouTube. So those can are- you, Sorry to interrupt you. Can you give me an idea as to, would you be willing to share what percentage uh, income was on each of those? Like what was your biggest driver, revenue driver? Was it the endorsements? Was it the membership? So it was definitely the membership. It was okay. seven a year. Um, and we had almost 4,000 people in it. Wow, that's awesome. Very cool, yes super awesome sometimes i really do doing it but at the same time it was like, I, we built it and then i was like okay i don't really have anything to do like i started to get really bored you know because we only did two launches a year and um we but we also <laughs> did do a lot in brand deals and sponsorships that that revenue probably brought in like over two hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars um so you know I don't know. It was just like, it was almost too easy. I feel like I needed a more of a mental challenge. <laughs> yeah. What like a, what a bummer. Line, like, what do I do with this? You know, hoard <laughs> it all to myself or do I start teaching other people how to add this kind of revenue to their companies? Yes. And I went with so cool. Okay. Got it. Uh, so, so just to be clear. So when you were doing the fitness thing, you brought out, you brought on uh, affiliate, uh, like other people who were selling fitness products too. Yeah, so we, we sunsetted that membership option um, in exchange for being able to continue to produce content and feature other instructors because as my, I'm still very passionate personally about health and fitness, um, but as my passion in the business really started to wane, <clears throat> I didn't want to just leave this massive platform of, of women that we were serving for the last five, six years to, to, for nothing. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So I started introducing and hand-selecting you know, high quality nutrition experts and fitness people who had digital products that would continue to serve the marketplace. And so we put together a, pro, um, a video suite that helped them promote their products so that they can like the most recent videos on the channel. I haven't posted in a really long time on the channel because I'm so busy with the Bidflu and stuff now, but the most recent videos on the channel, they all link to affiliate programs for hand-selected instructors and nutrition experts and stuff like that. But the video content that they were creating, was that behind the paywall for you? I mean, people were paying to get a, a, a portion of the expert's content and then there were upsells into that expert's uh, individual uh, products? Yeah, so we just brought them on as guest instructors. 
Um, and we produce, typically what we would do is produce three or four videos in, in one day. Um, and then those videos now live for free on that fitness channel. So it's a lead generation platform for them using our network. Got it. Does that make and sense? were they, it does, were they paying you then to get that exposure? No, so they pay us now. You were getting the affiliates. With the commissions, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Thank, thank you for explaining that because I know people have done that. I've always been curious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Got it. Anyway, so, so that's so, kind of where I got my YouTube jobs. And in that transition, I'm like, well, I just like, I was just, to be honest, I was bored. I didn't have enough of a mental challenge. And so I took a lot of time off. I took like six, seven months off, almost a full year. And I wanted to see like, what do you have next for me? I didn't really know what to do. And, you know, I had all this YouTube money coming in and so I just traveled around the world and over time, like two dozen people asked me, how, how, do you have a job? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> how are you just like traveling around? I'm like, well, YouTube, the second question that they would always follow up with is how do you monetize YouTube? How did you do mm -hmm. that? And so of course, being a marketer by birth, um, <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Market opportunity. People need to know how to do this stuff. And we had figured out a system and kind of cracked the code, if you will, on how mm -hmm. to get organic YouTube views pull in traffic and create the video marketing automation system on the back end to actually turn the viewers into buyers. Love that. Let's dive into that. How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's a very loaded question. I think yes. the main things that somebody needs, number one, you need to identify with YouTube specifically, you need to identify what's the, what's your end goal. Um, a lot of people come into the YouTube platform, they just start posting content just to post content because they're like, oh, I just need to get something up. Um, <clears throat> and we don't recommend that. You need to have a very specific end goal. Is there a program or service that you want to promote? Do you want to make money through brand deals and sponsorships? Um, basically, the, the strategy for each of those ways to generate revenue is very, very different. So you need to understand like, what is the big picture vision and where are you building towards? Because for example, if you want to bring in sponsor revenue, you need to be working on building a massive audience. And the, the strategy to do that is very different than if you are just looking to use YouTube as a lead gen platform where you know you get one or two high ticket clients every single month from your YouTube channel. Very mm -hmm. different strategies, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I think the number one thing is to begin with the end in mind and then reverse engineer based on you know, what your specific goals in your company are then figure out, okay, what do I need to do? From there, you need to understand that YouTube is a search engine. It's the second largest search engine in the world, and it's owned by Google, which is the first largest. So they work, the platform works very differently than Facebook or Instagram. And with that, there is a fundamental <clears throat> understanding that you need to have about how keywords and SEO work in mm -hmm. order to actually garner organic traffic. You also need to understand that Google Ads is an ads platform, and because Google owns YouTube, they allow you to run YouTube ads as well. So from once you figure out what, begin with the end in mind, like what's the end goal with this, then we can reverse engineer knowing that it's both an organic search engine as well as a paid ads platform where you're gonna put your time and your money. Um, the people that just hop on YouTube and they're like, whatever, I'll just run like YouTube view ads and just get a bunch of views on my videos and then it will just naturally work more often than not, that actually ends up tanking their organic rankings. Mm -hmm. So you be very smart and strategic about, okay, if I do want to get organic traffic from my YouTube channel, which by the way, you, everyone should want that because it's mm -hmm. very profitable to not have to pay any ad platform to have a flood of leads coming in organically. Um, mm -hmm. But if that is part of your strategy and where you want to go, you need to be careful of just like running YouTube ads for, for video views because the engagement will drop on those videos that you're running ads to. So we have, you know, there's intricacies within it all, but I think those are the main two things that you need to understand is like, number one, what are you using YouTube for? If it's just to get rich and famous, don't call me. <laughs> if you want to help people and get your message out there and be able to attract the right types of clients that you can actually serve, definitely call me. And then from mm -hmm. there, identify and we can help you figure out like what is the from the organic perspective or the paid ad side which one are you going to go go towards you need to understand mm. keywords no matter what and you know competition. you need to understand what i'm sorry keywords okay keywords on your videos so if you don't know anything yeah. about youtube seo um that's how youtube's platform pulls content that's in the archive 
to be able to serve it up for a viewer who is typing in search queries. So if you know how to write your content and plan it out so that it is making it as easy for the YouTube algorithm as possible to pull that content when it's being asked for, you can increase your organic rankings. And we've done this over and over and over again for some really highly competitive keyword terms. And it's not just ranking on the first page of YouTube search results. We've gotten multiple clients to also rank on the first page of Google search results because Google owns YouTube. And mm. sometimes it will embed those videos into the top yes. slots of Google search. Google also has their videos tab that specifically favors YouTube videos. So mm. these, are, these are like really 30,000 foot view concepts that I get to educate people about all the time because a lot of people are just like, oh, I'll just throw up some content. I was like, well, <laughs> you can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably yeah. not to help you grow if you don't have a strategy behind it. Can we can we zoom in a little bit? So from the thirty thousand foot view, I think a decent amount of my audience that I know of is familiar with search engine optimization. They understand, you know, some what I would consider common sense keyword placement, keyword in the t in the title of your video. Um, you know, not certain things not to do. Don't keyword stuff. Don't. Uh, add additional non-relevant keywords, things like that. Um, mention the keyword in the actual video itself. Are there, are there other things that you recommend as well to help get rankings for competitive terms? Yes, so you need to pick the right kinds of keywords. That's the most important because <clears throat> if a keyword has high search volume every month, but it's also extremely competitive and there's already 10 million videos in the search pool for it, you're, you're, even if it's a high volume keyword, you're not gonna rank for it because there's so much competition for it. So being able to identify, okay, based on the channel size that you're currently at, if you're brand new, obviously you should go after some of those smaller, more niche down keywords. Um, if you have channel authority, you can start to go after the, the bigger heavy hitter keywords, but you have to build up that authority <clears throat> over time. So picking the right keywords is pretty much what our entire company does now is educate and train people What's the formula? Which ones are good? Which ones are not good? Um, how do you start authority stacking? So once you have a video that breaks through, then how do you continue to build on that momentum and mm. you know, create series and playlists around that to build authority around specific talk topics? Because at the end of the day, on YouTube, watch time is king. So your watch time is the most important metric that you need to pay attention to. So everything that you do is designed to increase your watch time. The reason being is because YouTube wants people to stay on YouTube. So they're going to favor channels that have really high watch time and audience retention mm -hmm. over channels that, you know, maybe you have a, the right keyword, but your audience retention is like only for the first minute of the video because the video sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a very multifaceted thing, but I hope that helps. Um, it does help. So, um, you mentioned series and playlists. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if you're just starting out, you might want to target longer tail keywords that are specific and relevant to, you know, your offering or, or what your end outcome is that you predetermined. Um, once you get a little bit of momentum, you get a little bit of authority. You mentioned again, series and playlists. Can you walk us through the relevancy of that? Yeah. So <clears throat> you're, you're dead on. Correct. Um, you want to start with long tail keywords, especially in the beginning when you don't really have any channel authority. And also just remember to make sure that they are lower competition, but still high enough search volume to make it worth it. Um, mm -hmm. Once you start to see some momentum, once you start to see some videos take off, you can use what we call content cycling and also what I just mentioned, authority stacking. Mm -hmm. So with content cycling, um, essentially what you're doing is, I'll give you an example from the fitness channel. We created one video that was how to do the splits, still ranks very high, has 6.2 million views organically. Um, and with how to do the splits, which everybody wanted to know how to do, the secondary video to that is how do you do the middle splits? So once that video started taking off, there was a secondary video that came out a week or two later that now with, with both of those videos being published, because that one was such a heavy hitter and just went absolutely viral still gets tons and tons of search traffic all the time it's probably it's the best video on the channel by far um it's now sending and siphoning its traffic to the other videos 
through or to the other video through info cards through links in the description through the end screen elements so we're taking the wild success of this one video and content cycling it to send traffic back and forth between them the how to do the middle splits video is also now independently ranking for those types of keywords so we're doing the same thing back and forth so the traffic from that we're sending over to the other video as well um, is that so, something that that you're integrating or is youtube making that connection in their algorithm and doing it for you you have to manually do it so you can okay. you can link videos together using info cards you can also link to them in the descriptions um, you can reference them verbally in the video. If you like this, then you're really going to like part two over here. Um, mm. And you can also use the end screen elements where you can feature certain videos. You can literally select what other videos on your channel you want to be attached to that video. If somebody watched the entirety of the video and made it to the end screen, you should be attaching the relevant other videos that they might mm. like. Does that make sense? Makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yes. It's so with Sorry. It, <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to say, it's amazing to me. <laughs> um, it's amazing to me that you two, I mean, this is probably shouldn't be amazing, but I'm still amazed by it. But even just verbally saying it, YouTube is picking up all that content. So even if you said, hey, watch part two, YouTube knows that there's a part two and finds well, it. No, no, that's more for YouTube can hear what your videos are saying. They do, their algorithm can pick up verbals. That's why you want to say your target keyword in the first five to 10 seconds of your video. Um, but it's not picking that up. That's more for user experience. So in the mm -hmm. video, if you know that you're going to have a part two, or let's say you, you create a secondary video that is in reference to a part one, you should just verbally say that so that the viewer on the other side is like, Oh, okay, cool. I'll go watch that. So it's like increasing the likelihood that they actually go watch more of your videos, which helps to increase the likelihood that YouTube's algorithm over time will start suggesting your videos automatically through the algorithm. Does that make sense? It does. Yep. Kind of a, a an acute distinction there. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit and kind of explain authority stacking. So that's especially when you're new and you don't have channel authority yet. As you're building towards that, you need. Can to you define really quick what channel authority means? So it's like um, if you were to think about it from an SEO perspective, domain authority. We've all heard that before. Um, it works very similarly on YouTube. If your channel has authority, that means it has a very long-standing good reputation for putting out high-quality content. So, I mean, I, conceptually, I understand what it means. Is there a, how do you delineate, how do you know that you've now reached authority? Is it just? There's no like award or medal that they're gonna give you. Right. <laughs> you know, there's no like, right. no blue check mark or anything like that. Gold star, um, yeah. You know, it, it is a little slightly different from regular SEO just on the internet because with domain authority, obviously the higher authority your domain has, the easier it is for it to rank, but it is the same way on YouTube. The higher authority, the more subscribers, the more views, the more engagement you have, all those user experience signals, if they're consistently good and keeping people on YouTube without complaints and spam reports and all of that, then the, you're, it's easier for you to rank on YouTube as well. Does that make sense? So it does. I mean, I would it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that it has to do with the seasoning of the channel, meaning that the channel's been up for a while. You've been creating good, consistent quality content and you know, YouTube knows that it's quality content because there's high watch time on it. You're putting out a, a consistent uh, video, your video or videos on a regular basis. So the channel is growing. The footprint of the channel is consistently growing. You have appropriate SEO, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, the authority of a site simply would mean that when you put up a new video, you're going to probably rank higher, better, quicker for high quality keywords than somebody who doesn't have that, uh, all those other things that I just mentioned. Right. Then a brand new channel. Okay. There are, okay. I can't remember the exact number, but there are literally thousands and thousands, if not millions of hours of, I, I really need to know this stat, but there's tons of videos being uploaded to YouTube all the time. YouTube's algorithm can't promote all of them. So it's really looking for those star channels that have that authority. And those channels do like, once you have that authority, it is a lot easier for you to get organic traffic, to get more engagement, to have, um, you know, just better user experience signals across the board because you already have the audience. You already have proven in like, basically um, earned your stripes, if you will, <laughs> on the YouTube platform. So they yes. favor their creators that have really taken off. Because again, they want to keep people on YouTube. Yes, so makes sense. 
proof of concept that your content is really good. It's easier for you to rank. Got it. Um, how do you create quality content? There's so many people that are in a particular niche. They think that they're, you know, quote unquote, creating quality content, but it goes deeper than that, right? I mean, how, how do you find that one kernel that differentiates? Because uh, I've seen people produce videos of essentially the same thing, but because they made a little tweak or because they, the title was a little bit different or, or the thumbnail might've been different, um, that video went viral versus another one that's more or less the same video. Like, how do you find what that one thing is? Well, first and foremost, you need to understand your target audience and what their problems and challenges are. Um, I see so many people that are just posting content for the sake of posting content, and that's not the way. <laughs> you can eventually get there, but this really comes down to the three different types of video content that good channels who have a high watch time grow super fast and have good engagement, they all have the three types of content. One is called hub content, one is called help content, and one is called hero content. So the biggest mistake I see, and to give you kind of a breakdown, quick rundown, hub content is like what you're known for. It's like, if you were to think about YouTube as having a TV show, that's like your regularly scheduled programming every single week. Um, help content is where everyone should start. If you don't have help content on your channel, you are missing a huge opportunity because help content is searchable and discoverable. That's how people actually find who you are, is if you know their top 10 to 20 biggest problems and challenges and you create help videos to help them solve those things um, and then make sure you do the keywords and all that correctly that's how people actually find you and then hero content is like once or twice a year um, you would post like a more of like a storyboarded emotional experience type of a piece where there's an antagonist in the story um, those are really videos that are designed to be to create loyalty and to create a, a deep emotional connection. So that's kind of the, the stages of content. The biggest mistake that I see is people start with hub content, which is like repurposed Facebook lives, repurposed podcast episodes, um, stuff that they just felt like filming there because they're trying to nurture their audience. But the thing is, if you're trying to grow your channel, people aren't going to be able to find your hub content because they don't know who you mm -hmm. are unless you're Marie Ford mm -hmm. or Brennan Burchard or some of these heavy hitters. You need mm -hmm. to start with the help content because that's how people on YouTube are able to discover you. Does that make sense? It definitely does. You're, and you're only doing the hero content twice a year, you said? Once or twice a year. Yeah. It can also be like, for example, right now we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, hero content can also be trend or topic related, like current events mm -hmm. related. If something mm -hmm. just, if in your industry, something is just going bananas and it's a, it's a time-based situation, you can use the same principles of a help video, like doing the keyword research for whatever that trending topic is, or if let's say it's a tentpole event or some big conference coming up in your industry, or you know a big influencer in the industry just launched a new program or a new book or something like that, and you do a review, um, those would all be also considered hero pieces because it's not something you would Got normally it. do, but it's not designed to specifically solve a problem or challenge that your marketplace mm. has. Okay. Great info. Um, I feel like you were on a train of thought and I asked you, yeah, I, I, I derailed about, you, I think. No, you didn't. I, I'm still thinking about it. I was gonna tell you about authority. <laughs> okay. So okay, it's good, there we have, go. Yeah, it's better to have that, that frame of reference and understanding for YouTube and the types of content that you should be creating because authority stacking will now make more sense. So let's say you're just starting help content, you can create anytime, you should create as much of it as possible with the right keyword strategy. And then once you have a solid video, we recommend typically at least five to 10 help videos during that testing phase to see, okay, which ones are gonna take off. Um, then you can start to transition over into including more of that hub content, right? but don't ever stop making help videos, okay? So with authority stacking, essentially what you're doing is all of those help videos are really tests to see, are, is, this, is this gonna be the one that gets us organic traffic? Um, mm -hmm. That's why we recommend starting with as many of them as you can. And then, you know, over time, sometime sooner than later, one of them will take off. And maybe your average views were like a couple hundred before, and then you get one video that just goes to like 20,000 within a week. Mm. So that shows you where the gaps are in the marketplace. And when you're authority stacking, you're basically taking that. And that's when you would create a secondary video that's not competing with that original video, but is supplemental to that original video. And that's how you start to build out series. You start to build out playlists because you're really like 
essentially, if you are, if you think about the internet as a big conversation, your data are your ears, right? So if you get a video that just completely breaks out, you, you sh that's the marketplace is telling you, hey, this is what we want. Build mm -hmm. that out more. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what authoritative stacking is, is just really paying attention to your data and analytics and identifying those breakthrough videos so that you can continue to build authority around that topic that's doing really well. Gotcha. So the series are like part one, part two, part three of something. Mm -hmm. Is that what you mean by series, right? And then the playlists, let's go a little bit d deeper with the playlists and the relevancy of those. Yeah. So playlists, you always want to make, um, playlist titles are also an additional opportunity for SEO. So <clears throat> you should do keyword research the same way on your playlist options as you would uh, with your video titles. And mm -hmm. what we typically recommend is looking for outcome or results-based playlist titles. So instead of just calling it like recipes, for example, and have all your recipes in a playlist, you would call it like, um, you know, skinny desserts for weight loss, something like that. That still is, you know, you would have to obviously do the keyword research on that. Mm -hmm some sort of an outcome or result playlist is going to perform better over time than just a, a random generic topic playlist. Is there, <clears throat> so the skinny desserts to help you lose weight. I mean, that could be a video in and of itself. How do you, when you conceptually think of cat, you know, creating a category of videos versus the individual video itself, are you looking at why would you create a playlist keyword? I'm just trying to think this out loud do you sort of see where I'm going with that question? Um, yeah. So here's the thing. And I, I use fitness and nutrition examples all the time because I have a very strong background in that industry. So I understand it very well. But this could apply to re really any industry. Um, so use the same level of logic that I'm about to explain and apply it to your own industry. So if we think about, do you know what silo architecture is? No. Okay. So in SEO, there's this term called silo architecture and it's essentially, oh the skeleton structure of how your website should be to maximize your organic rankings. Mm -hmm. YouTube works very much in the same way, except for instead of, you know, the, the name of the website and then the navigation bar and then the categories and then the posts on YouTube, it's you have your parent topic for your, your channel. Then we recommend that you create three to four channel pillars. So on our example, it was fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle for women. So the, parent topic was women's health. Then within that we had fitness, nutrition, lifestyle. And then within that we had, so let's take nutrition, for example, to use this dessert example, <laughs> make me hungry, but we'll do it anyway. <laughs> you take the nutrition pillar, break that down into series and playlists. So a playlist would look something like, you know, skinny desserts for whatever result. And then within that, it's like, we have all the chocolate desserts. We have all the ice cream. Mm. We have all of the dairy free. We have all of the vegan. We have all of the, so you have different categories within that. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? And then within yes. that, you have your keyword, keyword based videos. You wouldn't want to necessarily make a video title, something as broad as skinny dessert recipe. Mm -hmm. you know I mean? Obviously yes. you look at the individual keywords, but you're probably going to have a higher chance of ranking on something that's like vegan, dairy free ice cream recipe. Mm-hmm because it's more, it's longer tail, it's way more specific and you can become a big fish in a small pond versus try, especially when you're new, trying to compete with, you know, the millions of other videos that are out there on YouTube for some right. skinny desserts based. Gotcha. That makes a ton of sense. Okay. That's helpful to think that, uh, that example is very helpful to think of how that can be modeled in other industries. Um, who do you use to do your keyword research? Uh, we do it all. I have a uh, Google SEO expert that sometimes will contract to come in and do specific client projects, but I've been doing YouTube keyword research for the last four or five years and I've taken every training out there. <laughs> We've also come up with our own systems that I don't see anybody else talking about. Here's the thing though, that people really need to understand YouTube hmm. doesn't give its search data to anybody. So even using the keyword plugins and stuff to help you with YouTube, um, and this is really where the art and the science come together, but even with using things like TubeBuddy or vidIQ, keywords everywhere, those are not taking data direct from YouTube because YouTube doesn't give its data to anybody. So they're actually at taking data from aggregate sources 
So, and I get this question a lot all the time too. If somebody tries to go out there and learn how to do this stuff on their own, it could be very confusing because vidIQ will tell you this keyword has a very different number of search volume than TubeBuddy is telling you. And that's because they're not pulling their data from YouTube directly. They're taking it from an aggregate third party source. That's essentially looking at estimated averages over the last usually 12 months for those keyword trends and searches, right? And they're just re so, reverse engineering it on by their own algorithm yeah. and trying to figure out. Okay. Well, they, they typically take it and I've talked to, you know, some of the people higher up in, in that own those keyword plugins. Um, and they typically are taking it from, they're not like manipulating the data. They're taking third party aggregate data. Um, and you know, you have to, I, I, I don't want to speak for them, but I, the main point is, YouTube doesn't give its actual search data to anybody. Google does, but YouTube doesn't. So there's, the, there's a combination mm. of the science of, of SEO and keyword research combined with the art of video and of content marketing. Does that make sense? Got it. It does. It's very yep. hard to just like, you know, be like, oh, just do this and then do that and then hit play. <laughs> it's not that simple. It's right. an art and a science. And so we really help people strategize around that and make sure that you're going to get the, the highest likelihood of success based on years and years of doing this, having multiple videos go completely wild, ranking on first pages of Google and, and YouTube search results all over the place and generating leads and sales. Because at the end of the day, like, cool, you could have those vanity metrics, but if you are running a company, le the leads and sales piece of it is the most important part. It's the need to mover. Um, Speaking of leads and sales, do you, how do you propose that people do that in their videos? Do they create a call to action in the video itself? Do you put a call to action in the description? Do you do both? What is your best advice on actually generating the, the, the desired behavior from the viewer? Yeah, so we actually have a YouTube video script template that I'd be happy to give to any of your people um, where it essentially tells you the, the structure of your videos. So, um, would be happy to provide that resource for you. But in general, call to actions are always at the beginning and then they're always again at the end. Optionally, you can do a pattern interrupt and do another call to action in the middle. Um, you don't always have to do that. Obviously test it out because you don't want to just be making call to actions the entire time. Um, but you do at least at the bare minimum need to have that call to action at the beginning after your hook and then a call to action at the end. And we also recommend obviously having that in every video description. Um, if it's a specific call to action for a specific type of lead magnet or something like that, that you mentioned in the video, you would want to have that above the default upload description. And then in addition to that, YouTube a couple years ago just added the feature where you can pin a comment to the top of the comment section. So we recommend that you put your call to actions in the top of the comment section as well. And um, info cards also. Info cards. Okay. Do you get penalized at all for having it, it, Let's say you had a call to action that was, um, that you used, you know, that, that was a edited clip um, and you used it on all your videos. It was literally the exact same clip. Would you get penalized for, for doing something like that? Does it need to be unique every single video? No, I don't think you would, unless it's like okay. a spammy type of thing. <laughs> you know, right. YouTube does right. have a very high quality standard for its community guidelines. Um, you need to make sure that your, whatever you're linking to or making call to actions for is that, you know, not sending people off to, you know, a spam site or something like just really black hat. Um, but as long as you're following the community guidelines, it's okay to, to repeat elements of your video in every single video. Like look at Jenna Marbles, for example, her intro has been the same for the last 10 years and it never mm. changes, you know, she doesn't always use it, but she used it in like probably thousands of videos. Okay. So you shouldn't get penalized directly for repurposing pieces of the videos that you're creating. Um, unless you somehow violated the community guidelines. Okay. Um, I know that thumbnails are important, uh, or at least that's what I've been told by other YouTube right. channel yeah. creators. Okay. Well, walk us through, for those that don't know exactly what a thumbnail is, let's define that and then walk us through maybe some best tips for creating a good thumbnail. Yeah, so your thumbnail is the little image that shows up um, before somebody clicks on your video. So think of it as a billboard ad for the video itself. Thumbnails are extremely important because even if you do all of the ranking and keyword stuff correctly and your SEO is like literally perfect, if your thumbnails suck, no one's going to click on the video. So you may be getting the impressions, but your thumbnails are like second in command 
equally as important because if you have a great thumbnail, it increases your click-through rate. So you wanna always pay attention to your impressions to click-through rate, um, which is a percentage. And typically we recommend anywhere from five to 10% is on the lower side, five is on the lower side, seven to 10%, you're doing great. Um, so if you have a seven to 10% click-through rate, your thumbnails are really good. That means for how many times it's being shown, seven to ten percent of the people are actually clicking on it and that's that's a good click-through rate um, as far as what to include in your thumbnail i see a lot of wasted real estate all the time don't put your logos in there that's not the time or the place it's wasted real estate put your target mm. keyword in big bold easy to read contrasting letters um, and typically facial expressions do really well um, or close-ups of people's face if you don't want to have like the weird YouTuber type of like facial expressions, you can also just make sure you're using a topic relevant image for your thumbnail. Not something like if you made an apple pie video, you wouldn't want to have a, a picture of a bluebird in a nest. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so keep it match. Um, remember it's mm -hmm. a billboard ad for the video itself. And then, you know, you can use little things like just make sure it's easy to read. It's contrasted. Um, and you can use things like emojis or like little symbols to emphasize certain parts of it. Um, but yeah, don't use your thumbnails. At, don't reuse thumbnails. I see that all the time too, where somebody just gets lazy and they just upload the same thumbnail for every single video. Don't mm. do that. Um, you do need custom thumbnails for each individual video, especially if they're talking about different things. Um, and then beyond that, I would just say, yeah, some of those basic things, facial expressions typically get cooked on more, having big, bold, easy to read words, one of which is should be your target keyword or target keyword phrase. Um, and make sure that you try to keep it under five to seven words or less. Okay. Um, very helpful tips. Thank you. Um, if somebody is looking to create, um, a lot of the, the content that you've been sharing right now has been very specific if your outcome is leads and sales. If somebody is looking to just create a broader exposure, say they have a podcast uh, and they want to grow a, a YouTube channel to get more exposure, what's your what's how does the strategy differ for that yeah so I would say um, in that case consistency is going to be really important I would still follow the 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 help content strategy and really making sure your SEO and your keywords that you're targeting are relevant to the types of people that you want to attract um, and then beyond that I mean we have had some big influencers who just want to grow really big channels and just work with brand deals and sponsors um, do things like giveaways or contests to encourage people to get over onto the YouTube channel. Um, we've also seen a lot of success using the confirmed subscription links. Instead of just linking straight to your YouTube channel, you would link to a, there's a secret code you can add to the end of it. Um, this is all outlined, by the way, at youtubegrowthhacks.com. We have a free guide that walks you through how to do that and what that code actually is. Um, so really just, but the same thing, the same elements still apply. Um, there's one more thing that I would definitely recommend for if you have an active community on another platform and you're looking to grow, um, YouTube to bring more people into that community. Um, mm -hmm. I think contests and giveaways are really great. Also, you can pull your audience on, on YouTube. Also, you know, Facebook has poll features. I would ask them, Hey, what do you want to see? Because when your audience is telling you what to go create, the likelihood that they're going to go actually watch what they told you they wanted you to create is much higher. Um, but yeah, beyond that, it really wouldn't change very much of the strategy because you still need to have the, the SEO and the keywords if you want to get organic traffic. You may okay. also want to look into running a couple basic YouTube discovery ads. Um, if you just, you know, if you have a budget anywhere from like five to 20 bucks a day, you can just run a quick ad in front of a relevant competitor channel you can choose to run ads in front of the entire channel, like all of its videos or specific videos um, that are relevant to the types of people that you would want to bring in. That could be another, and depending on, obviously you don't just want to start dumping money into an ad pit, <laughs> but if you have a way to actually turn it into revenue on the back end um, through sponsorships or growing your channel or on um, podcasts or whatever it is, you may also want to explore doing just discovery ads to get people onto the podcast. When you say discovery ads, is that a, like an industry term or is that just a term that you use for like an initial ad to start to discover what people are looking for? Yeah, when it comes to ads, there's different phases of the customer journey. So when somebody's in discovery or exploration, um, they don't really know who you are yet. So you're finding, you're going basically towards competitors or relevant content that is 
something where they're already hanging out and then you're paying to get in front of that. Um, so when they're in that discovery or exploration phase, that would be, they don't necessarily know who you are yet. And you want to make sure that you have good content on the YouTube channel waiting for them. Remember there's like those five to 10 help videos that speak directly to them, help them solve challenges or problems, um, or even provide entertainment for them in a specific way. That is a, a good strategy also. This, so the discovery is from the perspective of the prospect, not the, the content creator. I, I was thinking it was in terms of like discovering what ad actually works. That would be from my perspective, the content creator. Oh, okay. So that's, I don't mean it like that. They're like yeah. to get people to know who you are by paying to show up in front of them. What, what is your best advice on how to, from the content creator side, how to find that best relatable content. If you're just getting started, what's some tips that you can give somebody to get their channel launched? From an ads perspective or from the organic side? Sorry, let's start from the organic side and then I want to follow up with the ad side. Yeah, I would say um, any of the, what are the top 10 to 20 frequently asked questions that you get all the time? Um, if you are a business or you are some sort of an influencer that brings a community together on a common cause and you get the same questions over and over and over again, that is a really good place to start. Um, build out a, basically like, think of it as a digital library of answers um, or entertainment, education, et cetera. So that's where I would start. I would ask the audience, you know, um, phone a friend. Uh, <laughs> and then from the ads perspective, um, doing competitor research to see what's working really well, finding two to three other channels in your industry that are just crushing it. Um, going to their videos tab and sorting it by most popular so you can start to identify okay what has really worked for them and then mm. from there reverse engineering that content strategy so that you not so that you can copy them but so that you can create similar content or create an, a video ad that directly speaks to somebody who would be watching that video does that make mm -hmm. sense yes yep um if somebody's creating well, maybe you sort of already answered this. I'm, I'm asking this on behalf of my son, actually, because he's, he loves those, um, you know, some of those YouTube channels that just have millions and millions and millions of subscribers because they have uh, animation or it's just something that's gone viral with, within the youth. Do you, do you have advice? Like he loves that kind of stuff and he's looking to kind of create something like that. Do you have advice on how to create? Cause that's not, there's no keywords necessarily that people would be searching for that or I don't know, maybe yeah. there are, but. I just have to point out, I love that you said within the youth. That's hilarious. <laughs> the youth have gone wild. I'm, I'm getting old. How do we reach these here, youth? <laughs> I'm sitting here in my britches just thinking about how to care for the youth. Actually, when I said that, like when the word, sometimes that happens, like the words are coming out of my mouth. I'm like, what are they even talking about right now? <laughs> that was one of those moments. I get what you're saying. I think... Um, it's really important, especially right now, TikTok would be a better, a better route to go. People are blowing up right now on TikTok. Um, yes. And that has a very young demographic. So, and also, I just did an interview in the YouTube Marketing Mastery Facebook group, which is a free group that we host. Um, I did an interview about a month ago <clears throat> with uh, a woman who has a YouTube channel and just started her TikTok uh, account. And she had a couple of TikTok videos go completely viral within that same week, she got 4,000 new YouTube subscribers. So wow. even though, you know, she made the videos on TikTok, it ended up benefiting her YouTube channel because people wanted to learn more from her, right? So mm. I think being able to use cross-platform um, omnipresence and really, you know, at least have a presence on all of them. You don't necessarily need to be active on all of them, but this is again where like if the internet is a conversation, the data is your ears. So at least do like a testing day, pick one or two that you want to start with to master. Um, and for, if you want to reach the youth, <laughs> go where they're hanging out, which is currently on TikTok. <laughs> all those youths over on TikTok. Do you, do you remember, uh, did you ever see that movie, um, My Cousin Vinny? Yeah, of course. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that one scene where he's like, the Utes, and the judge <laughs> yeah. was like, what'd you say? He's like, Utes. He's like, do you mean Utes? He's like, oh, Utes. <laughs> Classic. That made me think of that when you said it. All right. Um, uh, next question. So um, 
you on your website, you talk about like a 60 day strategy. Can you walk me through if somebody who's interested in hiring you guys for your services? Like what, what would you do to help somebody get launched and what, what kind of resources would they need to bring to the table? Not just in terms of financially, but um, like, are they going to be creating the content? Do you help people? Do, do they come out to you? Do you create, like, how does that, how does that work? Yeah. So overall as a company, Vidfluence helps people grow and monetize YouTube. Um, with the Vidfluence Academy, which is the one you're referencing, we take people through our signature process, which is called the grow method. So it's a four phase process where we go through laying the groundwork of your business, um, going through the reach on YouTube. So through YouTube organic and YouTube ads, set, making sure you're actually able to reach people once you have that groundwork laid to turn the viewers into buyers. Then we teach you the optimization strategies, like what data should you be looking at? When do you know when to pull back and when do you know when to ramp up? Um, and then the last phase is the workflow automation. So make, obviously YouTube takes time. So we have a system of SOPs and templates and all these type of things, whether you have a team helping you or you're doing it as a solopreneur, uh, we have all the proven SOPs where you basically just plug and play. It's like, okay, when it comes to uploading, what do I do? How do I title the videos? Am I doing this right? It's all documented for you. Um, so you never miss a step. So that's the four step process that we take people through. The academy is specifically for people who maybe, for example, maybe they are, you know, selling a $97 product and they're only ever making, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and there, or a couple thousand dollars a month even, but they have goals of hitting that 10K mark. Um, they have goals of having a six figure business. The academy is designed for people who want to grow their YouTube channel and they also want to turn those viewers into buyers on the back end as they scale their business to six figures and beyond. Um, if you are not necessarily there yet, let's say you just want to grow YouTube, we also have the YouTube growth course, which you can find at gethelpwithyoutube.com. That is a self-study course that just teaches you the keyword research. So it doesn't really go into the business strategy and stuff like that. Um, and then beyond that, for businesses that are already over six figures and who have, you know, at least a thousand subscribers, we offer a YouTube channel audit service where we, if your channel has stagnated in growth, you're not really sure why you're not getting leads and sales from it. You're not sure why it's not growing faster. Um, the YouTube channel audit will help. We basically do the keyword research for you and then tell you everything that you need to go clean up and you get access to our signature team trainings as well with all of the workflow automations for your, for your business team. Awesome. So those are so three options. The, uh, so the content creation is really going to be done on the client side. Um, so they need to have the right equipment and things like that. And I'm assuming you walk through, you know, what you recommend um, for lighting and, and actually creating the content itself. Yeah. So we teach them what to say in the videos. Um, we do the keyword research with, the, well, depending on which program you're in, um, we either teach you to do it yourself, we teach you to do it and we help support you with it, or we just straight up do it for you. Um, and then from there, typically, I mean, honestly, you know, to be quite frank, we're telling all of our clients don't spend money on production crews for YouTube because people don't really even need it anymore. Just use your right. phone, make it as simple as possible so we can have a fast turnaround. Um, but if somebody does want to do more of like a hero piece, we can help them with the storyboarding of that, make sure it's, you know, gonna, or some sort of a video ad, but even video ads, mm -hmm. the phone, the phone video ads, the stats that we're seeing, they perform 10 times better than a produced video. Um, so, you know, that's yeah. so hard for the, for the dinosaurs out there, like the older generations, the non youths out there, for whatever reason that they're just stuck in that mindset where they have to be super professional and they can't just push record and play and go. Um, do you work with, with, do you run into that as well? Or is your clientele? Just yeah. I mean, younger? we have, we have clients from all over the place. Um, we have clients that are just starting out online. We have clients that have, have just started their YouTube channel all the way up to 950,000 subscribers has been doing video for like three years, has full production crews, et cetera. Um, so, you know, it really depends. And also the data doesn't lie at the end of the day, the market has shifted. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a phone now. Everybody is used to that quick, easy, non-produced like spammy looking content now where it's a more social marketplace these days mm -hmm. so you know again each individual channel each individual person we can't just make a blanket statement but in general the industry is going more towards less production mm -hmm. um, still making sure it's entertaining you're still using pattern interrupts you're pacing your videos 
appropriately. Like you might notice that I speak very quickly and it's very like high energy. <laughs> Some people are like, why are you talking so fast? I'm like, because I'm so used to it with video, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a certain atmosphere and conversation already happening on YouTube where people are already conditioned to expect that. So mm -hmm. as long as you're, you know, meeting, meeting your customer's needs, providing value for them, providing great content, helping them, uh, while also not being like, you wouldn't want to come into a business meeting and start singing opera. You know, it's just not the right tone or voice. It's not what people are used to. <laughs> you might you might be like, whoa, what's, what's that girl's problem? Right. You want to kind of match the marketplace that you're, you're speaking to. And those are kind of just some general trends that we're seeing across the board with YouTube specifically. Gotcha. Um, given the current climate that we're in right now, just in the world with this whole um, coronavirus pandemic, do you have advice? Like, has anything shifted for you? Do you have any recommendations on how somebody, this would be, in my mind, this would be a great time for businesses who have not really gotten into YouTube marketing to, to really get into this. Cause obviously you can do it, you know, from, from anywhere. And um, there could be some huge opportunities for companies to actually get real growth here. Do you have any advice or recommendations given the, the current climate? Yeah, well, I'll give you some some cold hard stats because that's my jam. Um, yes. During the COVID nineteen pandemic, in the first week of the outbreak in the U.S., our my, and this has been happening across the board, but I'll speak from my channel first because I have those memorized. Um, the the views on our channel went up forty five percent. In the second week, they were up one hundred fifty three percent, and in this just a couple days ago, I checked it again, it's up two hundred and eighty eight percent in viewership. Wait, which is insane overall uh for the last week by week i mean yes dang that, those are huge like that's a massive spike and it keeps going up and up and up and that's not just for my channel that's for across the board i would say nine out of ten channels that we help manage we help manage over a, a couple dozen and nine out of ten of them are also seeing spikes in views, increase in watch time, increase in subscribers. Um, some around two thousand more than usual. Some all the way up to twenty thousand more than usual. Wow! So the percentages and the data doesn't lie. And yeah, if anybody out there has been putting YouTube on the back burner, now is the time because everybody's stuck at home. They need content. <laughs> and yes. There are people out there that, especially as business owners, we are we're problem solvers. So if you can communicate that in video and get it in front of people while they're actually, there's a massive influx of eyeballs on YouTube specifically right now, it would be one of the best things you can do. Cause also YouTube isn't going anywhere. It's owned by Google and Google is like a behemoth. So it's a right. safe bet in your marketing plan. And the sooner you start, the better from where I said. Oh my gosh. Talk about a call to action. Let's go. <laughs> Jeez. Those are those numbers. That's surprising to me. Um, what is, uh, I know we're getting a little bit short on time, but I wanted to ask you, what is a question that people should be asking that they don't? Uh, what's your why? For sure, what's your why? Because people think, oh, I just want a bunch of viewers and subscribers, but there's a deeper layer to that. Why do you want mm. that? Hmm. Is it, is it a personal ego conversation? You just want to be like, you know, riding high in your chariot or is there a deeper service mission underneath mm. it? You know, I'm getting really clear on that distinction. Like, why do you want viewers and subscribers? Is it so that you can bring more and serve the marketplace? Because I can speak from experience. The people that I saw that were in it for me, 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 they struggled versus because people can feel that they can feel that energy especially in video versus somebody who shows up and is like you know what even if i just get one person this helps that's what we always came from that background with our fitness channel and even though fitness mm. is one of the most competitive marketplaces we always just said if this helps just one other person out there then it will have been worth it and it ended up mm. helping over a hundred thousand women in 32 different countries around the world because of that intention so what is your why what's your come from what is your intention with doing it? It's not just because you want vanity metrics. That's like, mm -hmm. that should be a cherry on top. So that's what I would mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. What is, since you brought it up, what is your why? How, how would you answer that? One of my biggest values is freedom. Um, mm -hmm. And to be able to teach people how they can start to create additional revenue streams, create time freedom, location freedom, be able to start serving people online, especially with the platform of video that YouTube provides. Honestly, it has changed my life and I'm forever blessed 
And I want to pay that forward to as many people as I can who also want that freedom. Um, mm. So, you know, even freedom in education, man, or freedom to work out in your living room, like all those things are so cool. We're living in such a cool digital age. And so my why is to help free more people, whatever that looks like to them using video. Oh, I love that. I love that. Liz, you are a badass. Thank you for sharing uh, all the content that you shared. Um, for those that are interested in getting in contact with you, you've mentioned a number of resources. What's the best one that they can go to to just get started or to connect with you? I would say go to youtubegrowthhacks.com to get that five-step setup guide to make sure that your channel is set up that will add you to the Vidfluence list. And inside of that, you'll also get a link to the YouTube Marketing Mastery Facebook group where you can interact with me directly. It's a free group. It's a free service that we provide every single Monday as of this, the date of the recording this, every single Monday at 5 p.m. PST, I go in there and do free YouTube channel reviews. So if you want me to take a look and see what's going on, where your growth opportunities are, where your biggest gaps are, we do a call up post wow. Monday morning for that. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, very, very cool. Um, I think that's all I got. Is there anything else that you want to share or we, we button it up there? <laughs> no, I, let's button it up. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, stay safe out there with all the youths. Around I know. Crazy. <laughs> all those youths, those, those crazy youths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me though. This has been a blast. You're awesome. Thank you, Liz. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye.